0: Funny sometimes when you get given subjects to speak about, Um, uh, Colleen. Today I get to talk about the guy who uh, was full on for the Lord, but they went and killed him. So it doesn't do much to inspire us to want to to be fully committed, does it? Uh, Didn't end so well for Stephen, but we'll see uh, as we uh, as we think about what took place. Last week, Sam was dealing with a previous chapter and he was dealing with the, uh, uh, some of the growth problems that were taking place in the church. I want to just reflect a little bit on some of that uh, development. The uh, church was growing rapidly and the section that Sam dealt with last week finished with chapter 6 and verse 7 and it said, So the word of God spread. And, uh, and as the word of God spread... Uh, The church grew. The scene is set. The proclamation of the gospel was moving from Jerusalem to Judea. Christianity was no longer a a Jewish religion. Uh, Christianity was never intended, of course, to be a Jewish religion. It was rather a, a way of life open to all mankind. And humanly speaking, this may not have happened if it was not for this man, Stephen, that we're going to talk about today. He drove a wedge between the Jewish religion, which we call Judaism, and Christianity, a wedge which would break them from one from the other. And the Jewish religion was very exclusive, uh, whereby Christianity was not exclusive but inclusive, um, John 3.16, you all know it so well. What's it say? It says, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believeth in him should not perish but what? Have everlasting life. And the Christian faith is an inclusive faith. Now, two things happen to enable the gospel to spread. From uh, the small area around where Jesus lived, they spread out in all directions around The Mediterranean. Gradually they lost their Hebrew language and they became integrated into the Gentile world. The other thing that was now happening was that they were no, they were allowing others who were not Jews to come into the synagogue. And they had three, three categories of worshippers. I think Sam touched on this. There were those who were born Jews. There were those who were proselytes. Uh, they were born Gentiles. But they'd become Jews, and they were Jews in every way, except for the fact that they weren't born Jews. And then there was a third group, and we read quite a bit about them later in Acts. They were, they were called the God-fearers. And, uh, Christianity was growing. And as Sam dealt with that, he identified last week that there were problems that came with that growth. And he talked about some of those things. Uh, and this is where Steve, we're introduced to Stephen. His ministry lasted only about six months and he paid with his Christian service with his life. Now, you'll remember the old story about the boy who went away on holidays and he had a dog and he left the dog with his family and the Family were looking after the dog, and he was missing the dog, so he rang up to see how the dog was going, and they said, the dog is dead. And he was, of course, very upset, and he said, well, you could have broken the news to me a little more gently than that. And they said, well, what do you expect us to do? He said, well, perhaps when I rang the first day, you could have said that the dog had run away. And then when I rang the next day, you could have said that the dog was... We were looking for the dog, and the next day you might have said that you found the dog, but the bad news is of course that the dog has been run over. And, uh, he said, well, breaking the news gently to me, that was, that was, that was better. And by the way, how's dad? And they said, well, he's on the roof. And I missed out saying that in the story because he should have said, of course, that the, um, he wanted a distraction. He, he really didn't want the hard, cold facts. And there aren't, there's no distraction as to what happened to Stephen. They stoned him to death because of his faith. He became the first Christian martyr to shed his blood for Jesus. And in chapter 6 and verse 8, it describes Stephen as a man full of grace and power. Never think that what you do for the kingdom is unimportant. Imagine for a moment what may have become of Saul who became Paul had it not been for this man Stephen. Things were happening to cause division between the Jews and the Christians. Priests were being converted, and now they had a problem. If they believed that Jesus was the Lamb of God and that he was sacrificed for sin, then they no longer needed to offer the sacrifices of animals and and birds. And people could now come to God not by keeping the law, but by faith in Christ alone. And Stephen preached that now, preached that all people can come to God through faith in Jesus Christ and that caused great argument uh, within the community. And the Jewish leaders, they began to hate Stephen and they were threatened by both the man and the message. And if what Stephen said about Jesus was true, then their Jewish religion was obsolete. Now, a man named Saul, who would later become Paul, was greatly influenced by Stephen. Paul said in his later life, I was a Pharisee, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, which just means he was a Jew, and I was as much into the Jewish race and exclusivism as I could be. But it didn't make me right with God. And all the religion in the world won't make us right with God. It was all or nothing compared with faith in Jesus. And Paul had to come to that understanding. And Paul realised the truth about the grace of God. No matter how many bad things you've done, they won't stop you from getting into heaven. And no matter how many good things you've done, won't get you there either. Only through faith in Jesus Christ and him alone can we have forgiveness of sin and be made fit for heaven. And Stephen ended up in court. Earlier in the chapter, he was facing the same accusers that Jesus faced and they brought in false witnesses, as they did with Jesus, and they condemned him to death. And in chapter 7 we have a scene of a courtroom and in the dock is this man called Stephen. Chapter 6, verse 15 says that he had the face of an angel. Sadly, the religious leaders had such hard hearts as we read in chapter 7, verse 54, it says, they were so furious that they were virtually thropping at the mouth and gnashing their teeth. Such was their intent hatred for stephen don't be surprised when people don't altogether love you and embrace you because you're a christian now he was charged with blasphemy against the temple and against the law of moses and there were two funda- these were two fundamentals to the jewish religion and stephen was to become a martyr for challenging these things Stephen told these religious leaders that they were going, that God was bypassing them because they were stiff-necked and hypocrites who were trying to make God fit into their own small understanding of who he was and the exclusive view that they wanted to have of the world. And they took him out and they stoned him to death. Now a young man, and that's why I asked Sam to read that last verse, a young man was watching this And he was a student of Gamaliel, and he was called Saul. And he was beginning to realise something was going on here. Either Stephen was wrong and the religious leaders were right or what could the alternative be? And Paul was thinking about that. And today's message is titled Evidence of the Spirit-Filled Life could have been entitled Why do Bad Things Happen to Good People? Because he was a good person and he was just going about being a witness for Christ as many of us have been on a journey doing that. But it didn't end too well for him, not from a worldly perspective at least. And it was Stephen's newfound faith and boldness that got him killed. And we are not all called to be martyrs, but we are all called to be living sacrifices. Paul wrote about that in Romans chapter 12 and uh, later as he developed his ministry. He said, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and uh, pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now you all know what the problem is with a living sacrifice. It wants to climb off the altar. Doesn't like staying on the altar. And in today's world, in Melbourne, in 2023 in general, I can tell you that people do not like Christians. Our government does not like Christians. Our society in general... um, think that we are divisive, they think that we are not inclusive, they think that we are irrelevant, they think that we are religious bigots. That's the world in which we live. And it is only going to get worse. You only have to think of what they did to Margaret Court. Greatest tennis player that has ever been. But because she dared speak a different position to what the world was putting forward when it came to marriage, not in a hateful, spiteful way, but from her heart of concern as a godly Christian lady, and they have crucified her. And every time I see the tennis on the TV, it makes me so angry to see that she's never included. They won't include her, but they'll include the wide range of other people who have another diverse opinion about how men and women should be. So do not be surprised that Stephen was stoned to death and do not be surprised that in this world we too will find not a friendly welcome for those who who love the christian faith now how might christians be viewed if the holy spirit was as evident in our lives today as it was in the early church could be different acts 4 and verse 8 peter spoke with boldness, why did he speak with boldness? It says because he was full of the Holy Spirit. And in chapter six and verse eight, we read that Stephen was full of grace and peace. And in chapter seven and verse fifty-five, it says Peter, uh, sorry Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, faced the raging mob. Now Stephen was a standout Christian in the early church. And what was the secret of his life? He was filled with the Holy Spirit. A spirit-filled life is God's plan for all his children. A spirit-filled life is God's plan for all of us. Now, the Holy Spirit is not... Uh, given to some elite few, but it's given to all Christians at the time of conversion. And as we look at Stephen, we see what a man or a woman could be like when they are filled with the Holy Spirit. So I want to direct your thinking to a few things that might characterise what a life is like as an evidence of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Chapter 6, verse 1 to 5, which, as I said, Sam dealt with last week. uh, When problems arose in the early church, it talked about what they did. Now, being a Christian, being filled with the Holy Spirit, makes us fit for service. Because that's what Sam dealt with. These people who were identified were not given great lofty jobs in the church. What were the jobs that they were given, Sam? To wait on tables. But what was the qualification to waiting on a table? It was that they were filled with the Holy Spirit, full of grace and peace. And so the work was, was mundane and a spirit-filled Christian is one who is available and ready to serve regardless of the task and regardless whether anyone notices. Acts 6 and verse 8 we read, Stephen became a bold preacher and he performed miracles in the name of the Lord my question would be, was it Stephen who did that? Or was it the Holy Spirit that was indwelling him? Stephen was simply the channel through which the Holy Spirit could flow. If you go out to Whittlesea, you'll see that there is an open aqueduct. It flows water from from, um, Turon Reservoir to Yanyin Reservoir, and it flows as an open aqueduct along in that area. And in years gone by, it was an open aqueduct right down to behind our house where we live at Plenty. And there's an easement right along behind us, and it's an open aqueduct. And that aqueduct went right down to Preston. And they've filled it in probably for safety, but there's a pipe in the ground and it's still the same. And what does it do? It channels the water from out of Turong to Yanyin and down and into Melbourne to provide what is needed for the suburbs. And it's that sort of imagery of the Holy Spirit in our lives that we need to get hold of and grasp. that The outflowing of that Spirit to the people that we care for and work with and minister to so that they too might come to know Jesus. In Ephesians 4 and 18, we read um, a verse and it talks about the hardening, hard hearts that the people had. As Paul wrote to the Ephesian church, he said that they should beware of the hardening of their heart. And that word hardening is the word from which we get the word calcification. And we know that calcification, particularly in a galvanised pipe, blocks the pipe. But to bring it to a more common thing, our, our arteries into our heart, chin will know better than any of us, gets full of rubbish And those things eventually lead to heart attacks for some people. And we have to guard against the potential of the hardening of the heart and the hardening of our attitudes and the hardening of our responses. We need to be open so the spirit of God can flow through us to minister to people. And in Acts 6, 9 to 15, that paints a picture of how Stephen was attacked by the religious people of the day. Why did they attack him? Because they didn't like the message and they wanted to shoot the messenger. They disagreed with him. They lied about him. They plotted to get rid of him. He didn't retaliate against them. This speaks volumes about what the quiet inner resource and strength can be produced in our life when the Holy Spirit is at work and and so in Stephen, instead of viciously retaliating against the false accusations made against him we 're not we told that he didn 't do that and and it was to me an evidence uh, of the quiet inequality that is produced in our life by the Holy Spirit. Verse 15 says, They looked intently at him, and his face shone like that of an angel. Perhaps a figure of speech. Perhaps there was a peace about his character in a, you know what it's like, in a really stressful situation. And some people just have that quality of being a little more at peace. And for us as Christians, perhaps that can be the work of the Holy Spirit. and can be evident. I don't know. Angels in the Bible, of course, some of them were very fierce. Some of them were there for certain things that God had sent. So why his face shone like that, not sure. But I like to think that because the Holy Spirit put him, helped him to be at peace. And so he was not a, not so much into justifying his own situation. And then Stephen, he knew the word. Here's another quality. It says he knew the scriptures and his defence in chapter 7 was absolutely riddled with Bible quotation and reference. One after another, after another, after another, after another. He couldn't have done that if he did not know the word. He knew the scriptures. He believed the scriptures. He preached the scriptures. He presented Christ in the scriptures. And he applied the scriptures to his listeners. Did he do it? Or did that Holy Spirit, who was having free channel in his life, enable him to do it? another evidence a spirit filled Christian will be one full of all the scriptures full of the word of God let me read to you some verses over in um, Psalm 115 I love this Psalm and it speaks so much about the power of the word of God how can a young man or woman keep their way pure By living according to the word of God, I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I've hidden your word in my heart so that I might not sin against you. Teach me, O Lord, in verse 33, to follow your decrees and I will keep them to the end. Give me understanding of your law. Verse 89, your word, O Lord, is eternal. It stands in the heavens. Psalm 119, verse 105, you all know it. You learned it in Sunday school. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. 133, direct my steps according to your word. Let no sin rule over me. Make no mistake, it's been said a hundred times from this pulpit, this book will keep you from sin. This book will give you the strength for the day. This book will impart to you the knowledge of the work of the Holy Spirit and what the Holy Spirit can do in our lives if we know the word of God. And Stephen, I believe... One of the evidences in Stephen's life was that he knew the scriptures. Being filled with the Holy Spirit will sustain us in difficult times. Now, in chapter 7, verse 54 to 59 that Sam read, that was a tragic time in Stephen's life. There's no question about that. He was not filled with self-pity. He didn't beg to be spared. In verse 55, it says he looked up full of the Holy Spirit and he saw the glory of God and Jesus standing, which is very significant. We could preach on that a whole sermon, on the fact that like Jesus standing, almost looking over the precipice of heaven and seeing what was going on in Stephen's life. And Stephen drew from from um, that difficult situation a vision of Jesus in heaven and the angels and those surrounding the throne and it gave and empowered him for the difficult times and I want to say that in difficult times look up, look up to heaven, look into the word, look and see what God has done. And it will lift your spirits. We all face difficult times in life. Life is a journey and it has lots of twists and turns. And sometimes around the corner is something pleasant. And at other times it can be difficult. It might be family. It might be employment. It might be relationship. It can be a whole host of things. But look up and draw strength as... Uh, Stephen did in difficult time. When filled with the Holy Spirit, we become more christ-like. Chapter seven and verse 59 and 60 paints a picture of Stephen's death, it says he fell asleep, but that's just a way to describe that he died. there's no question he died. And while being stoned, what did he do? He prayed. He he copied what Jesus did on the cross. Father, don't lay this sin to their account. Forgive them for what they are doing. They don't understand what's going on. And while being stoned, he did what Jesus did. And to me, what a clear evidence of the what the Holy Spirit can do in a life. A person filled with the Holy Spirit will be missed when they're gone. Chapter 8 and verse 2, it talks about the sorrow that filled the hearts of the godly men who carried him to his burial. These were qualities that set him apart. And when the Holy Spirit is at work in our lives, it will be obvious Now, biblically, I think one of the main evidences of a spirit-filled life will be the evidence that we have in Galatians, the fruit of the spirit. In Galatians 5.22, we read about an evidence, if the spirit of God is at work in your life, it will produce fruit. And the fruit, love, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and the one we all have trouble with, self-control. But this is a fruit. And these are aspects of what is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And if we are cultivating these things through reading the word, through prayer, through fellowship, God will produce this fruit in our lives. And these qualities, I want to say, are not produced overnight or by some special extra experience. Now we could talk a lot about that today. I had a very brief discussion with Andy yesterday, and I said I perhaps might talk about having the second blessing or something today but he, he warned me that that would probably not be so well received. I'm not into the second blessing. I do believe at conversion we are given all that we need in Christ to live godly lives. However, I've been along the journey long enough to know that there are plenty of times when I do not open myself up to the work of the Holy Spirit in my life. And so if I was in certain churches, I might call that a second blessing when I do that. But I might also call it a rededication or a fresh awareness. But for me, there are times and cycles in life when we feel closer and further away to the Lord the word of God will help us stay closer. And we know the old adage about you take the coal out of the fire and it might be glowing red, but it's not too long before it's black and smoking. Put it back into the fire and it gets reignited again. We need to be in the fire. We need to be encouraged and motivated that way. So these qualities aren't produced just by some special experience and I want to say that being filled with the Holy Spirit is not sinless perfection. We've got some older people here. PC's having a birthday. I'm amazed at PC's age. Rob and Lorraine. Older. Strong. Strong. Christian heritage, but Rob would tell us today that you don't achieve sinless perfection in this life and no one achieves it in this life. Godly men and women, young or old, still have feet of clay. Another reason why we so much need the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives every day. The full, fullness of the Spirit is a matter of progressive maturity, I believe, in the life of a Christian. New believers, they get all excited, they're so yielded, so, so full of what God is doing and, uh, and that's wonderful. But somebody who has walked with the Lord, who has been yielded to the Holy Spirit for many years, they will have a richness about their character that is not achieved in five minutes. It takes a lifetime journey. And we are all at different parts of the journey, but praise God, we are on the road. We are not yet what we should be, but one day we will be, And that's fantastic. So the take home for us today. Walk in daily submission and dependence on the spirit of God. As we do that, he grows his fruit in our hearts and lives. He gives us the power to be witnesses for him. Our godly character as seen in the fruit of the spirit will back up what we say there will be credibility if we claim to be a Christian and we demonstrate ungodly characteristics. We urgently need to cultivate the fruit of the Spirit to have any credibility at all. We won't have any credibility if we don't display these godly characters, characteristics because people will, will rightly say, you're a hypocrite. You say one thing, you do another. No, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. So may you go into the week with a renewed desire to be continually filled with the Holy Spirit. May the... My my old Bible teachers in Ballarat used to put it to us this way. They used to say, and often, God has made everything available to us when we became Christians so we can leave fully surrendered lives. However, have you opened up yourself to allow God to work fully in your life? So we are are we open, as he intends us to be? I read an interesting thing, and I'll finish with this today, in today's Herald Sun. It was about a man called Adrian Portelli. Now, those who watched The Block TV show will have watched in the last season the man who turned up in the Lamborghini, and they called him the Lamborghini man. And they he was bidding for one of the houses... And the other man who often buys those houses, who's very wealthy also, he was a little bit shocked, and they got into a competition, which was very good, of course, for the contestants um, and very good for the ratings, and they paid a million to two million dollars more than the property was worth, all because one wanted to beat the other one. Their egos got in the way, and they pumped each other up, so much so that the man who normally buys a lot of things, he said, I hope you got the money. And this Adrian Portilli said, do you want to see my bank account? And he said, no, I don't have to see your bank account. And, of course, he did go on and buy one of the houses. But I read an interesting thing in today's paper about him. He's a young man. He's into tech stuff. That's where he's made his money. He's only young... He said, I've got so many cars, this is quotes from today's paper. I've got so many cars, I don't know how many I've got. I've got so many houses, I don't know how many I've got. He just bought a $39 million penthouse in Melbourne. He said, I've got five or six houses on the Gold Coast. They're all furnished. No one lives in them. He said, I just buy them because they they they, they go up in value. This is what he said, quote, I have lots of money, but I am not content. I am still not happy. None of us can go and buy a $39 million penthouse today, Rob. Uh, Morris, can we? No, of course not. But we can be happy. We can be content, we can be satisfied, and we are richer than Adrian Portilla will ever be if he does not come to know Jesus Christ. We know him. That's that's the exciting thing. And the work, the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, is that it will it will give us a richness about the quality of life we live that will impact the people we live. Uh, that we come in contact with. And I pray that might be your experience this week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the time together. Dismiss us with your blessing. Pour out your Holy Spirit upon us so much that we cannot contain it, Father. Help us to, to just ooze the work of your Holy Spirit to the people that we live with and communicate with and the the, the community around us. And may we be known as people of the book who love your word and who are faithful to you. Thank you for the richness that you have brought into our lives through our relationship with you. Be with us now and the remainder of the day we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.